You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. Our pastors here, when we baptize people, often say something like, water baptism ensures nothing other than you getting wet. And they're right. You have to be first spirit baptized when you come to faith in Jesus. See, as soon as you believe Jesus now, once these historical events have happened, as soon as you believe Christ, you are placed into the body of Christ. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have the signs that came to convince the Jews at first it happened. You just read the Word of God and understand, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit too. Water cleans dirt from our skin, but what does it do for our spirit? Is it possible for us to go through a physical act or ritual to cleanse us from sin and give us new spiritual life? Pastor Tom teaches us in today's message that only Jesus' death on the cross can cleanse us from sin spiritually. Water baptism is an outward expression of what Christ has done with our inward man. Have you been cleansed by Christ's blood? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's what really matters. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he continues his message, Endowed with Power from on High. Jesus Christ came into the world to do what? Save sinners. Good answer. How about to die for sin? Would that, would that be a passing grade? I used to be a fourth grade teacher, so I like giving quizzes. How about this? To love and to heal. To reveal the invisible God. All the above. Those are good answers. But of all the things that John the Baptist could have said that Jesus came into the world to do, to accomplish, he singled out this one fact in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. He said, there is one coming mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his, the thong of his sandals. I baptize with water. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit. He came into the world, and John the Baptist said, this is what he came to do. He came to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Spirit baptism is no lesser work of Jesus Christ. I hope you understand that. John the Baptist said Jesus Christ came into the world to do this. I bet you that one gets missed on a lot of biblical quizzes. It's often overlooked. Spirit baptism. Spirit baptism is so crucial to all that we are as a church and what we intend to do. Remember, the primary instruction that Jesus gave to the disciples after his resurrection, after his 40 days, he's on the 40th day. All the things he'd say you could go do to begin to prepare to you know, be the church and to witness and make sure the gospel gets to the end of the earth. He basically told them, look, don't mess this up. Just... Just stay in Jerusalem. Just don't, don't talk too much. Just stay in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. And then things will get going. That's important. Do you see that? That is so important. John the Baptist said this. And Jesus also said this. We desperately need to learn to depend on our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We say, I pray to God the Father and I thank him that he is my Father. You know, my father died when I was 26. I, I buried him on my 27th birthday. And uh, I knew that when my father, my earthly father died, I'd always have a heavenly father. Yes? Always. They're really, I felt my job as an earthly father is to make sure before I die, my kids understand they have a heavenly father. And that's great. I'm not taking anything away from God the Father Almighty, okay? We hear a lot about that. 
And then there's Jesus Christ, our Lord. He who is God eternal and became a man and lived among us and died on a cross for us and broke the shackles of death and ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. We sing the praise of Jesus. Yes, that's good. But let us not forget that when God chose to be intimate with us, he chose as the third member of the Holy Trinity that it is he who comes to reside and live inside of you and make your body a temple of his Holy Spirit. That he decided to tie you to the other two members of the triune Godhead through the Holy Spirit. He is that important to you and me and we should, we should be developing our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, churches have erroneous ideas about spirit baptism. It's so important You'd figure that Satan would get his fingers in on some of that, right? I mean, people mess up the death of Jesus, yes? They mess up the resurrection of Jesus. How do you mess up the resurrection of Jesus? He was dead and he rose again, you know? Well, he had a spiritual resurrection. No such thing. It was a bodily resurrection, okay? That's what it was. They mess that up. They mess up the virgin birth. Ah, it was just a myth. And it comes to this as well, and churches, unfortunately, can mess this doctrine up as well. I need to mention some of these two so that you're not sidetracked or deceived. Indeed, I think because of some of these errors, believers like in our churches, our kind of churches, we're non-charismatic churches, we're Bible churches, you know. We teach the Bible. We love the Bible. Bible's in our name. We listen to the Bible a long time. But believers in churches like ours often avoid the topic of the Holy Spirit. They're afraid they're going to be lumped in with the Holy Rollers. They're afraid they're going to be lumped in with the gibberish that is spoken in some of those places and then attributed to the Holy Spirit of God. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But beloved, this is our doctrine of the Holy Spirit. This is our doctrine. This is our blessed doctrine. This is for us. No one should steal it from us. No one should rob our joy of experiencing what we're supposed to experience. Now, some of the churches, you might say, one of the errors that people bring to this doctrine is to tell believers that they need now to be seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they get saved. You might have heard that. I was in a church that taught that. I was taught that early on in my Christian life. You're saved, but now you need a second thing. And the second thing you need is the second blessing. And this really comes out of Wesleyan kind of theology. That's a sermon for another day. But there's just two steps that you have. First you get saved. Then you need some other kind of a step. The Pentecostals say the second step that you need is the baptism of the Spirit. Look what happened to the disciples. They were saved. Period of time happened. Then they're baptized in the Spirit. So you need to reproduce that now as well. That's what they think. They believe only some Christians have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. I guess it's them and not us, you see. The disciples were saved way back in the Gospels. They started following Christ, but then you come to Acts. Then they were baptized with the Spirit. We need to reproduce that. They misunderstand the historical nature of the book of Acts. This is history. It's written as history. It's to be interpreted as history. Spirit baptism came at a certain time on the day of Pentecost, we covered this, to create the church, to usher in a new age. There is no church in the four Gospels. In Matthew 16, Jesus promised, I will build my church, future tense. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It didn't exist yet. Acts 2 is the birthday of the church. 
First, the Jews were baptized in the Holy Spirit so that they were put into the body of Christ. That's what we're reading about in Acts chapter 2. All 120 were Jews. Then the Samaritans, who are they? They're half Jews and what? Half Gentile, right? The Jews had a hard time thinking they're going to share all the glories of the kingdom with anybody else. It's their kingdom. Gentiles are terrible. Samaritans are worse compromisers. But then you read in Acts chapter 8, these half Jews are baptized in the Holy Spirit and placed into the body of Christ. That's history happening. After that, you never hear of that being repeated among Samaritans. Then you get to Acts 10 and Peter has this amazing experience with Cornelius and it's the completely non-Jews, the Gentiles, and they're baptized into the body of Christ to join the Jews and the half-Jews who are already in there to make it one body, one spirit, one body. And that's what you're reading unfolding in the book of Acts. Even in Acts 19, there's a little splinter group. These are followers of John the Baptist and they love John the Baptist. They, They were talking about John the Baptist and Paul bumps into them and like... But have you heard of Jesus? And have you heard of the Holy Spirit? So we haven't heard it. And they were brought into the fold as well. And signs were given to the Jews to understand. They too were baptized in the Holy Spirit. These are historical unfoldings that happened. They're one-time happenings to put us into the body of Christ. So they misunderstand that. Now, another error is that some churches have worship services where they claim you can come forward Come on down forward, come stand, and we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to get the music going. We're going to get it loud. It's going to be exciting up front. And then there's someone who has got an awful lot of power and he's going to go down there and you can't see the Holy Spirit. So you just have to believe him. And he comes down and he lays hands on you. And some people are slain in the Holy Spirit and they fall over backwards. It's like, wow, stuff is happening and the music gets louder and faster and this is going on. Yes, I've been in one of those. It was exciting. It was deceptive. I'm not so sure they were trying to be deceptive. It just, they were caught up in it. A second work of God's grace after salvation. What is this? Why are they trying to repeat what the book of Acts did? 2,000 years in the church history. As if it didn't work the first 100 years. It didn't work the second 100 years. Now, 2,000 years later, we've got to reinvent it. We've got to do it. We have to restart the church. That obviously limits the greatness of what God had already done and already given to the church. They want to call the Holy Spirit down. Please don't call the Holy Spirit down from heaven. He already is down here. He already came. Why are you calling down? You know, why are we? We wouldn't send Jesus back to the cross. We're not going to call the Holy Spirit down from heaven. He's already arrived. We're already in the new age. Christ has already baptized his church. They may be zealous for spiritual things, these people. But they are ignorant of the very truth the Holy Spirit wrote in inspired scriptures. You need to be a man of the word to understand your experiences in the Holy Spirit. You cannot take your experiences in the Holy Spirit and reinterpret the word of God to match what you think your experiences mean. It's the other way around. You understand your experiences in the Holy Spirit through the lens of the word of God. Amen? Another error is to say that the Old Testament saints were baptized in the Holy Spirit also. Now, you wonder how that could happen since uh, the baptism didn't happen until Acts 2. In Acts 1, Jesus is saying, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they got that wrong as well. That is why we studied the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So we could see this work of the Holy Spirit in the New Covenant is greater. Do you remember how it was greater? It's more extensive, that is, it covers every believer. It's more intensive, that is, it comes with full power, not in measure. And it's more permanent. The Spirit doesn't come and go. 
He comes in, resides, and stays. It's a better deal, this covenant we have. And then there are others that erroneously teach that you have to speak in tongues to show that you have the baptism. I went through this. I remember even getting a little manual. Here's what you do. You have to get into the service and make sure that it's loud and it's emotional and make sure your mouth hangs open and get your tongue loose and then call on God and get your frame of mind and their swaying helps a little bit, I think. And then through all of that, you're supposed to kind of jumpstart this gift of tongues. Get it going. Well, it didn't work. And I mean, I was all in. The Bible makes it clear that not all have the gift of tongues. How could it be a sign of a baptism that all get when not all get the gift of tongues? Can't be that. Still, there are others that confuse the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the filling of the Holy Spirit or fullness of the Holy Spirit. I had a friend who I worked with in North Carolina one summer, and after the summer was over, we love to talk theology. He lived in Alabama. He called me up. He said, Tom, I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I can't reproduce the Southern drawl. Sorry about that. But he had a deep voice. And um, his name was Lee. And I said, you know, Lee, I don't think you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. I think that already happened to you. I think what happened to you is you had a great experience experiencing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he didn't know the difference. And I needed to take some time with him and, and show him they're not exactly the same thing. These are works of the Holy Spirit who is invisible to us. And so the only way we can know and interpret and understand it is to take what God has given to us that we can read. And that is the word of God and study what he says about his own work among us and then interpret those experiences through the word of God. The scripture teaches us that there are multiple works of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Many of them. Yes, they are related but they are not all the same. And then there are those who make the error of wanting more than one baptism of the Spirit. Think about it. If the Spirit of God, its baptism needs to happen to you again and again and again, almost like they still don't understand. They're acting like they're under the old covenant where it would come and empower them and leave and come and empower them and leave, you see? They're they're thinking in old covenant terms. They haven't figured out that when Christ gave his baptism, that was good. It was fine. You're good now. They think they need multiple, more the merrier, I guess. I remember when we were in Israel, we saw some ladies in the Jordan River. And you're in the Holy Land, and here supposedly is holy water, and they're down in the Jordan. And they're baptizing themselves. I don't know where they got that from, but they're baptizing themselves. And they're in the water, and they're just bobbing up and down many times, getting all the way under, just having a good old time, just bobbing up and down. I don't know, like 50 times getting baptized. I'm thinking, like, you'd only need to go down under once and come back out. That's it. Well, water baptism is only once. Spirit baptism, which is paralleled to water baptism, you only need once. Once you're in the ocean, you're in the ocean. And then there are some who sacramentally believe through their denomination, Roman Catholicism is like this as well, that there's a confusion between the relationship between water baptism and spirit baptism. They think that when one is administered in their sacrament, that the other one happens automatically, you see? Their understanding of Christianity runs through these elements, and it's a sort of a sacerdotal system of salvation. Thus, a child is brought to the church and they're sprinkled and the wording is exact 
you know, in Latin, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they think because they're now water baptized instantly, what happened to that baby, that child who can't possibly understand the gospel, that they have also been spirit baptized and they are now united to the church. You may have come out of that kind of a background. We went sightseeing in uh, Savannah, Georgia on vacation. We walked into the uh, Cathedral of St. John the Baptist. And that was kind of a misnomer to me because they got baptism wrong. But the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist. We went in there to admire, you know, the, the architecture and the, uh, the stained glass. And, but when you walk in, the first thing you see is this, this enormous baptismal with the holy water and the little sayings around it. And, you know, this is what they use to baptize their infants and, and anyone, really, that is going to be baptized. But you look at it, and it's just H2O. It's just water. That's all that it is. Water baptism cannot give you the Spirit of God, and it doesn't matter what the priest says. Our pastors here, when we baptize people, often say something like, water baptism ensures nothing other than you getting wet. And they're right. You have to be first spirit baptized when you come to faith in Jesus. See, as soon as you believe Jesus now, once these historical events have happened, as soon as you believe Christ, you are placed into the body of Christ. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have the signs that came to convince the Jews at first it happened. You just read the Word of God and understand, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit too. And that happens as soon as you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you understand that. You understand that first it's spirit baptism when you're saved. Then after that, you come and you get what? You get water baptized. That's the correct order. If you're water baptized and then you later get saved and spirit baptized, you now have to have your water baptism because you got them out of order. So these are some of the errors that you hear when it comes to spirit baptism. Now, despite all of the erroneous ideas, spirit baptism is really not that difficult to understand. And I'm only going to be able to get started with this with you today. As you're staying in 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 13 again and just notice that first verb there, baptized. We were all baptized. He's not talking about water baptism in this context. That verb there is past and it's passive. Someone else baptized us. It's a, it's a form of baptizo. Baptizo, and we get our word baptism or to baptize from it. Baptizo. Tidzo literally means to be immersed or to be dipped into something. Actually, it's an intensive form of another Greek verb, bapto. Bapto means to, to dip. They often would take a cloth and they wanted it to have color and they would put dye in a bowl and they would dip the cloth in the bowl and then it would take on the identity of the color, whether it's purple or whatever it would be. But baptizo is an intensive form of bapto, and it means don't dip it, dunk it, put it all the way down in. That's why it's an intensive form. It's ironic that the very word baptize means to dunk, and people still can't get that right today. Baptism does not mean to sprinkle. It never meant that in New Testament Greek, and every scholar agrees with that. It means to completely bathe or wash or submerge or dunk, and that's why we have to get them all the way down in there, all the way down. You know, make sure they they get it. Just hold them down there a little, okay? Make sure that they get a good baptism. It's also used as a past passive verb. It means that at some time in the past, someone else, spirit, baptized us. Who was that and how did that happen? 
Well, think about the symbol of water baptism, the thing that we are said to be immersed into. There is water with spirit baptism, the thing we're immersed into, the element we're immersed into is the Holy Spirit. Again, I said 1 Corinthians 12 is not about water baptism, it's about the Holy Spirit. And you may remember, to parallel this, the words of John the Baptist again. He gave such a perfect illustration so everyone would understand that. He says, I baptize you in water. So there's the person doing the baptizing, and then there's the person getting baptized. I baptize you with water, but one is coming who's mightier than I. He, that's Jesus, he will baptize you in or with the Holy Spirit. Do you see the parallel? It's not the Holy Spirit who's doing the baptizing. The Holy Spirit is the element into which you are baptized. The one doing the baptism is Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the one who poured forth the Holy Spirit from the right hand of the Father. John took people and dunked them in the Jordan River. Jesus took people and submerged them in the Holy Spirit. So it's clear Jesus was the one doing the baptizing. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, Jesus said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It will happen to you. I'll do it, but it will happen to you. And when that day of Pentecost came just 10 days later, Peter describes the event as Jesus pouring forth the Holy Spirit from heaven down upon the disciples so that it completely surrounded and filled them and overwhelmed them. We might even say engulfed them into the life of the Spirit. By this bountiful outpouring, they all knew They were placed into the sphere of the Holy Spirit. And so this baptism metaphor, and I think you could see how it was purposefully used so we would picture it and understand that, reminds us that all of our life is life in the Holy Spirit. Paul even goes a step further in verse 13, if you look at that, and he kind of internalizes this unity. And we're going to talk about this by pointing out that not only did the Holy Spirit come and surround the believers, but it then says we were all made to drink from the Holy Spirit as well. So now the Holy Spirit pours into us and now he is in our inside as well. We were dumped on and then we also have the Spirit well up inside of us. Again, the word of John 7 come to bear in that from our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. We all drink the same Spirit. He satisfies all of us the same. So I want you to get this connection and we'll pick up next right here. When we were submerged into the Spirit of Christ by Jesus himself, we were all placed into the body of Jesus, and we were all made to drink of the same Holy Spirit, and now we have a whole new life in the Spirit. So when we come to talk about, next time, Lord willing, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, or we talk about the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, or we talk about walking in the Spirit, or not grieving the Spirit, or other relationship and works of the Spirit He has to us. We all understand it began with and was initiated by this work of the Holy Spirit for the new age, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How blessed it is to be a post-Pentecost believer and know God has come in full measure. It's our responsibility not to neglect that ministry, not to shy away from it because some people do strange things with that, but to understand what the Word of God teaches about the fullness of the Spirit of Christ and to make sure that we are becoming full of Christ, not full of things in the world, not full of ourselves, not depending on our own abilities, but relying completely on this member of the Holy Trinity who came into this world to empower believers like you and me to proclaim the gospel, and to live obediently for Christ. Father, thank you for the teaching of the baptism. 
with and in your Holy Spirit. Thank you. We are post-Pentecost believers. Thank you that all of the fullness of your Spirit that satisfies our souls comes because of this amazing work, this one-time work. And we're just grateful, Lord, that you've given us the book of Acts to study it. We, we pray, Father, you take your word and help your people to be excited about that relationship with your spirit. Open their lives up. Be yielded. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Tom taught us today that every believer has been baptized into the Holy Spirit when they first gave their life to Christ. From that moment on, we live and breathe and walk in this new life in the Spirit. This is what John the Baptist meant when he said that one was coming who would baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. Discover Hope is a listener-supported ministry, and we'd like to offer you the opportunity to be a part of sharing the gospel message. Would you join us in praying for our listeners? Pray that the love and grace of Jesus will be evident in each new broadcast and that many would come to know the hope of salvation. Thanks for praying. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry as well, you can do so by visiting hopebible.org and clicking the giving tab at the top of the page. We appreciate every amount given and use it to continue producing the messages of Pastor Tom Leake that you hear on Discover Hope. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we learned about in Acts chapter 2 on that day of Pentecost, was an exciting and monumental event. The Church of Jesus Christ was birthed on that day, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on her. So now that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church, what does that mean for those that follow God in this post-Pentecost era that we find ourselves in today? Join us next time as Pastor Tom looks further into the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Discover Hope. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting HopeBibleChurch.org. And be sure to join us again right here on Discover Hope.